Welcome to the Busy Being Born podcast with your hosts Kamande and Kigondo. Yo, hey. what's up? How you doing, man? Good, 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 mm-hmm. good. I am well. I am fantastic. The sun is out. Mm-hmm. I'm in yellow. I'm happy, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, are you going for choir practice after this? Kitukayo. Kitukayo, man. The reason I'm asking that is because Kigonu just walked into the studio in a very well-designed African print shirt. That's how I roll, man. Yeah. We have a guest who's very African. Yeah. Eh? Ah, so yeah. I had to uh, mm. keep it in line. Yeah, you're unajua. making me look bad, but... Yeah, unajua. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is being born. <laughs> celebrating... Uh, how do we phrase it, Maria? Spotlighting, Spotlighting African, African excellence. excellence. So to, today I had to represent. Good, good. Yeah. yeah. Aya, let's do this, Maze. Where Good overall. Uh, yeah. Um, not so good physically. Okay. But that story for a story for another day. I've been having very. I was telling the the guys here. Yeah. Been having very bad sciatica. Sciatica is a pinch of the sciatic nerve uh-huh. um, emanating from either. A disc herniation, a disc bulge. Uh-huh. Uh, mine is a disc bulge, a slight disc, disc bulge. Okay. That's, yeah. So, hey. so sometimes, I'm, I mean, fole, fole, some fole. very excruciating pain. Is it, are you on painkillers? I'm on painkillers. I'm, uh-huh. I'm doing physio. Uh-huh. But it's just about uh, I lifted badly and then I didn't pay enough attention to okay. um, rest and recovery. Hey, is it, is it. But you know Learned what? that lesson the hard way. Our guest today is um, a healer and a doctor in yeah. some way. So, your notes. That, that's why partly I really wanted to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll talk to uh, about that experience as well. Ah, fantastic. He's my go-to person for a yeah. lot of things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ah, um, thank you so much for plugging in. Uh, for the next uh, many minutes, we do trust that you'll have a good time. So let's jump in. This episode today is brought to you by Avalanche Media. They are a multimedia production house involved in video and photography. They produce a wide array of media-related content, ranging from music, documentaries, live streaming, event coverage, and short and feature films. And uh, hey, they're quite popular and prolific with wedding and pho- uh, wedding photography, but... Uh, Clearly, they deliver so much more than that. So do check them out on www.avalanchemedia.co.ke. You know how to spell Avalanche, A-V-A-L-A-N-C-H-E-M-E-D-I-A, Avalanche Media. Check them out on Facebook as Avalanche Media Gallery, K-E, and on Instagram as at Avalanche yeah, underscore. underscore. There you go. <laughs> At Avalanche underscore gallery and see how you could engage with them. You can also reach them directly on their phone numbers 0734-932366. That is 0734-932366. So check them out. Maurice and the team, really good guys. Really, really good guys. Right now, I know they're working on, I've actually been a subject of one of their documentaries, not as like the the main subject, but just one of the guys interviewed mm-hmm. on masculinity and uh, mental space and mental health, etc, etc. So do check them out, working on really good projects. And I, Maze, these guys are going to 
snap my wedding if I do do it someday. <laughs> anyway, yeah. let's get in. We have a guest. We have a guest. We have a hey, guest. Hey, we have a guest. Uh, should I ask? Yes, go okay. ahead. Uh-huh. Are they brilliant? <laughs> of course they are. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Do they represent the motherland? I think they represent the motherland more than any other person that I personally know. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And uh, uh, are they busy being born? Obviously. Every okay. single day they are busy being born. That's the only reason they are here. That is why they are here. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is an independent researcher in complex adaptive systems. He's an artist, an entrepreneur, a doctor, and a philosopher of the ancient Akamba system. That's right. He is a philosopher of the ancient Akamba system and traditions whose key desired product from his experience is a possible creation of a grand unified theory of philosophy and science that bridges the gaps in the standard physics model and the philosophy of mind. His education entailed integration of the ancient Akamba methods of learning and modernist methods of education, which had a heavy reliance on self-directed learning. Ladies and gentlemen, we are excited to have with us today the one and only Greenman Mule Mbilo. Hey. Hey. Greenman is here. Hey, 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 Karibu sana. Greenman, thank you so much for making time. Hey. Asante ni sana. Yeah. Um, we, we've wanted, I've personally wanted to have you on the podcast for the longest time. I think probably from the first time I met you and you and I spoke for maybe three hours. Let me tell the story, the background of how I met Jump you. Jump in, bro. Okay. Um, Greenman and Greenman and I have a mutual friend who's uh, my business partner and co-founder of one of my, uh, my companies, and and so we we, we met at um, his Rurashio, his traditional wedding. Your right? friends, I'm a Greenman. My my friends, okay. my friends. Eh? Uh-huh. And we later on go for Greenmans, but mm-hmm. that was my friend's Rurashio. Um, and I, I I remember us. Can I tell a story? Are you okay with that? Yeah, it's okay. yeah? I think it's very very important um, for a background. I remember us waiting for the um, like you know before the celebration starts everyone is sitting around a tent and people are making merry um some guys are already in, in indulging and i remember um i had a book with me at that time i was reading um the, the book i finished last year with which was awareness by anthony DiMello. um that was my first time reading it and then it was so engaging obviously i was carrying it around eh? so i remember taking some time off and just going under the table and reading it but then i remember noticing there is someone in this table with everyone talking eh? there's someone who's very very silent and he's just observing um, what's happening around him. And so what I did is I took my drink and went and sat close to him. That was probably one of the best decisions in my life because um, to my wife's sort of a little bit of anger and his fiance then, fiance, right? Yeah. Um, anger, we ended up totally disengaging from everyone that day and talking for maybe four or five hours until they came looking for us. <laughs> so with the, the, we, we sat together during the event, and then in the evening when you had the evening party, he and I disappeared and went and sat someone just to continue talking yeah. and, and indulging a bit. First yeah. of all, did the ladies know each other? They didn't know it, each other. It was the first okay. time. Okay. But then that brought them together because they found themselves looking for their, hus- uh, their husbands. <laughs> You're looking for your man. Me too. <laughs> Let's go out and look for a man. Uh, yeah, that's the story, right? Yeah, yeah and, and, and since then, since that first engagement, I've really wanted to talk to you. And so I'm very happy um to have you here um i hope that i know for a fact that um the audience will benefit from this conversation oh for sure for mm-hmm. sure Maze. uh and not even just the audience even for me who's getting to know you right now 
so this is what I've done now. Uh, mm-hmm. Right before I came in, just to find out a bit uh, about you, I called two friends I noticed that uh, m- might have been shared. Uh, well, there's Kamande, but there's another two. So I called uh, a singer, rapper, really dope poet, Checkmate Mido. I was like, hey, Niaze, we are mutual friends with uh, uh, our guest today. What do you know? I can't even know. We've hung out once or twice. Um, and I think he's really good vibe. He's a really good guy, interesting fellow. Then I called uh, an artist, uh, well, a cinematographer coming up, but his background is in visual arts. He's called a mouse. Mm. And Mouse Alikwa, that dude is an alien. He's, in, <laughs> he's intriguing, man. <laughs> he's, he episode yeah, yeah. he's definitely an alien. Maze. I concur. Hey, yeah. So th- that's actually, I was trying to look for his second name. Because mm. Alikwa, I hope... Kimani, because mm. uh, I hope when I say a mouse, you'll know who it is. Mm. Then, last but not least, eh, checking out uh, some of the stuff written about you, I came across someone who'd also met you in one of those, mm-hmm. uh, one of those um, uh, interactions. Then they got to speak to you, mm-hmm. and this is what they said. Eh? I hope I get her name right or his name. Mbona sipati picha saizi. So this is what she, uh, he or she says. I don't know if it's Johan or Johan. This is from a couple of years back. And Johan says, tonight, Greenman Mulembilo been here. A really pleasant and challenging evening as my friend easily moves from quantum mechanics, history, anthropology, medicine, and whatever subject you bring up. Mm. I knew he was a reading kind, but uh, I have to say, I'm a bit surprised to find one of the most educated persons I've ever uh, ever met in the world right here in Kibera. I know quite a few professors within different disciplines, but I don't think any one of them have read as much and in so totally different subjects as this guy, Greenman. Wow. Yeah? Flattery. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like a couple of years back. So, But I could go on and on about the things that Yo. he talks to me about. Eh? Yeah. I, at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned how um, he is my go-to person for a lot of things. One of those things is actually yoga and ancient healing. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I guess the best p- place, I guess, for us to start is, um, your name is, you, you, the, the name that was given to you was not Greenman. No, no, no. Your name was, uh, tell, uh, tell us about the, your name and then uh, what led to that change. Okay. I, I was born Newton Mule Mbilo. Newton was after Sir Isaac. And then Mule, actually it's pronounced Mule, of of the forgotten things or the forgotten one, and, uh, then Milo, of course, is my father's name. Yeah, uh, probably names have their own powers in the in the sense they drive a person's personality, the way the people around them handle them, think, uh, promote them to think or be, and then later I met a different teacher apart from my family and kin and he was green he was all green and then after spending some time with him i swallowed him up so what do you speak more about that <laughs> and what, so, what do you mean by he was all green? he was all green yeah okay you know these visual experiences when you find like this shirt is white yeah so you see a person who's green like the color of the skin is green all green yeah yeah so i met him we talked and then i liked his vibe 
And then after some time, I discovered that maybe the best thing I could do was swallow him up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm still stuck at what, what sort of conversation happened between you and, 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 and this green man. This green man. Um, mostly, you know, those kinds of, uh, of conversations where you, you get to learn something from someone. You get uh, to build insights regarding things you've been thinking about, things things you've been working on, things like that. It was a very intense moment for me because I remember, maybe it was on my 30th or 29th birthday, and I was in those uh, states where I'm wondering, so what next for my life, what do I do? So it was during such a moment Maybe a crisis moment, I may say. Uh, maybe I hallucinated, but surely Greenman came. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been my next question. Was it a hallucination? Were you under the influence of something? Ama, was this like very realistic and vivid? Sometimes these visions do come. Uh, maybe to me, maybe to other people. But they are vivid, they are intense moments when... You don't. You can't separate. What's the reality? Is 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 the, is the vision my reality, or maybe it's the physical world that we are accustomed to, whether it's the reality or not? But it was such kind of an of a, of an intersection. I mean, the physical world, but I'm also meeting someone who may not be seen by others, but I am seen. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So. Hey. Okay, wow. that's definitely a truth you couldn't uh, you couldn't push away because clearly post that interaction you became uh, clearly the man you are today. Yeah, yeah, I can say. Yeah, yeah. Well, was it a, a a turning point in your life? A significant it, it, one. It was a significant turning point for me. It was like. Uh, Maybe if we could go to if we, if we could if we, if we could go some years back and see the kinds of things that I was grappling with, maybe we can we can conclude it was a it was a moment when a, a new world was opening up for me and I was integrating new knowledge, a new form of self, a new way of thinking, a new way of looking at life. A new way of maybe relating with God, if I may use the term God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a huge turning point for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Let, let's let's maybe take it um um a few years before that. Okay. What are some of the things that you're grappling with um, at that time? If you if you're okay speaking about them. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, being depressed. Yeah. And. Uh, There was a there was a time I I wanted to take my life I wanted to commit suicide and then you know those audio now it was an audio hallucination kind of thing and uh, I started communicating with that time I said it was God because maybe maybe it was a good thing that was happening for me and uh, I remember. One of the challenges that came out at that time was uh, I used a, I used a textbook on Shelley, the the poet, the Percy Bysshe Shelley, and 
it was written by a psychiatrist and towards the end the psychiatrist was saying uh, there's no evidence for god uh, you know the philosophical arguments given by skeptics and people like that and i wondered to myself uh, how can it, how can this person be so sure that there's no god and i can say that uh, these exper- these experiences that i'm having uh, are coming from god so for me it was a question of who is this god how do i understand him how can i uh, interpret and even share my experiences with him with other people with other people so it was maybe it was a kind of a theological crisis existential crisis so this coming of the green man was one interception of my history that was most welcome mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay let's talk about who you were in that moment uh, again what is going on in your life are you now a practicing artist uh, how much uh, sort of the other form the modernist way of education how much have you interacted with it by then so what's your background before this moment you had i, I, I was called newton after sir isaac yeah so you can imagine some of the things that <laughs> i had gone through even as a kid yeah, yeah. because uh, as early as nursery school i was doing perimeter area what 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 I was doing plenty of mathematics for mm. a young kid like mm. that. And then post high school I went and did some mechanical engineering. I've always been self-motivated so you can imagine I had I had studied a lot of physics, a lot of math, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had also studied plenty of philosophy by then. Mm. Yeah, because uh, for me philosophy is something you do to meet human suffering not so much about uh, gaining ac- academic credentials maybe in a university the way the modernists have come to put it yeah. so yeah i was pretty much into the contemporary scene modernists pedagogy and kinds yeah. things like that mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. and 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 what were you doing as and and so you you leave high school um Uh, what's your next step you've already read up on different um high, high school for me was a healing moment mm. in fact uh, maybe uh, from maybe 15 to 18 that was a very tough moment for me mm. so i spent most of my high school years trying to heal myself trying to get myself together so maybe post high school is when i really okay during high school i was much more into anthropology psychology things like that yeah and then after high school that's when i started settling again and then going back to these um, academic subjects like physics mathematics things like that. yeah mm-hmm. and and when you say it was a healing uh, season for you then it means there must have been some hurt or trauma from uh, the season before high school um are there any particular challenges you remember pre 15 going backwards there are many challenges yeah. uh, when i say i was i was also educated in the akamba system it goes back to when i was around four years old 
and that was the time I was given a kiss to I don't know if it's to resolve or to study or both yeah? so at that time I was very much following up the case and I was also part of the emotional mix and so many things happened yeah? mm. and uh, it was very frightening for me mm. <laughs> so by the time I was 15 like I, I had given up <laughs> yeah. wow yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> tell us more and and I think I don't know where there's a lot about you and and I I, I think um, we do want to capture as much as of it as possible for the lessons mostly um wh- when you say that you are an akamba healer right that's not something that any of us come by um, i don't know if you know any modomogo in your kikuyu uh y- yeah you know one i just know one mm-hmm. the one uh well wajiko yeah it's been years since i interacted with her mm-hmm. but yeah she's the only one and she's one of the most fascinating humans i've come across yeah i wonder what happened to her but yeah that's the only one but speaking of akamba and healing and all that the thing that comes to mind is kamote yeah, yeah so kamote. is this is this it ama about it yeah It's basically about it because kamuti actually is of the tree. Muti mm. is tree, yeah. Kamuti is of the tree, yeah. So it's basically it it has something to do with the tree. Mm. Yeah, because the tree has been a symbol for healing for science since ancient Egypt down even to the not so ancient Akamba who could pass the knowledge to me. Mm. So, yeah. so how 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 did this come about? It's something that happened to you as early as maybe four years. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. uh, I was four. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was born into this thing, yeah. The way I recon- you, you know the, those moments you you try to reconstruct your history, you try to get the evidence how things were patched. Because uh, I remember even as a very young kid, my father would take me to our family doctor and I would spend lots of time with him and they, was it a traditional no, doctor no, no, he or was a contemporary a, he, he was a contemporary doctor mm-hmm. and my father would always insist you are a doctor you are a doctor you are a doctor you are a doctor i did not know what he was talking about even after i had decided not to be a doctor he still insisted that i was a doctor so mm-hmm. Maybe it was something they knew much earlier than I started recognizing things were being arranged or something. But at four, I was surely given a case to resolve. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe it was a mixture of my personality and my, uh, my, my parents and let me call her my master because she initiated me to, her name was Kanokwa. We had some kind of interaction and my personality being the way it is, maybe I just caught with the bug. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then uh, pursued the, the trajectory that was hinted at me. And yeah, here I am. Yeah. Um, wh- when you say that you're given a case to resolve, um, what does that mean? Well, it's those sensitive stories about families and mm-hmm. things like that. Huh? And uh, it was a case that had been referred to contemporary medicine. 
my father had documented actually the whole process and i got to see what the the tension was about yeah and i i realized that um, i had a burden to understand what exactly was happening regarding this case and the way the contemporary medicine had uh, defined it and the way uh, my master kanuko had defined it mm-hmm. since the case has never really been resolved yeah if you have two options and one of the options is not really working like the contemporary medicine kind of ideology i guess i had to look deeper into what i had been given uh, initially by kanuko so that really drove my my thinking my investigation my research my education and and you're four But, years old at this time eh? yeah it seems i was born a bit alien <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i think i was uh, i was born a bit alien because at four i was kind of thoughtful yeah i would uh, spend a lot of time alone thinking trying to piece things together looking at people what they are doing things like that especially my family because my family was really intriguing <laughs> at mm-hmm. that time so yeah so going back to the to the case you you researched on it and 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 what are this what did you do actually the the case has has involved me reconstructing uh, ancient knowledge in into contemporary language and that has basically been most of my activity to the present in mm-hmm. fact this week i was just trying to figure out some of the last case, last aspect of this case like um, what was the root cause of the problem of the case presented to me and how if i know it how can i use it to resolve the issues that are existent at the moment for example i have brothers i have okay my sister died but i have brothers i have um, nieces and nieces nephews, and nephews. Yeah. so i look at them and i see the case is still there and i'm trying at least now i have a, a hypothesis i have a, i have a conceptual framework that yeah. i can use towards resolving some of the issues that are existing yeah in my family at the moment in myself also yeah. not just my family myself Okay and and uh because well I have a feeling uh you're trying to address the subject and still be as discreet about it so uh, maybe pulling away from that particular case uh other cases that are close to this would mean uh for instance if a family or someone came to you as a healer would it be I have this physical ailment am I have this thing I'm struggling with spiritually or otherwise mentally Yeah. When we think about ancient medicine, okay, ancient medicine maybe could go back as 9th century in Europe, yeah. It could go to 9th century when I think the last of my tradition existed. Uh, he's called um, Al-Razi, Muhammad Zakaria Al-Razi. He was a doctor in Baghdad. Uh, by that time uh, ancient medicine was on the wane yeah but we if we look at the history of ancient medicine maybe we could go to ancient greece yeah the asclepion in the asclepion 
we have total healing where healing starts from your soul and descends up to your body so that's basically the methodology of uh, ancient medicine we we look at your psyche then resolve the tensions in your psyche and cascade downwards to the physical now if you have a wound it can be patched it can be dressed if you have if you the kinds of medicines that we get from the plants now extracts things like that but the initial stage must be the psyche because um, there's that belief that your body will manifest what is in the psyche so if you want to heal you start with the psyche and then you can get to the physical system mm. Mm. And 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 what are some of the methodologies? Wow, I'm, I'm, you see why you could spend hours with this guy, <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some of the methods that you'd use, for instance, to address the psyche, especially when you're blending in traditional medicine uh, as well as um, contemporary techniques, if at all? I'm aware of some of the practices, even by contemporary practitioners in psychiatry, psycholo- clinical psychology. For example, there's the integration of ritual and affirmative uh, exercises. This is one of the ways that we we see an intersection between maybe uh, positivists' worldview and um, a mentalist and spiritualist perspective in healing. There's a there's a particular way. Uh, that has been obsolete for a while of, of course yeah, the other day maybe like four months ago i met an akamba practitioner she's an old woman and i saw she still has some of the instruments that were used by my master and uh, it's basically it's called nzevu hmm? nzevu mm-hmm. nzevu is uh, is an instrument that can be used to get into your psyche or get into the shaman's psyche yeah so you you you, you strum it yeah you you hit it with the reed yeah and uh, the different frequency levels are supposed to relate with your body's different frequency levels so that's kind of uh, not so much into into the system at the moment but it's a way that a person can get into another psyche there are many other ways mm-hmm. there are many other exercises that people can can use yeah, yeah. actually yoga is if if we say yoga because probably people know more about indian medicine than african mm-hmm. if we say yoga some of the techniques of yoga are related with the issue of getting into the person's psyche. Yeah. Yeah. The moment one speaks of shamans and kamote uh, as things are right now, uh, people would flinch. Yeah. Why do you think? First of all, uh, people would flinch because uh, by the time Christianity was getting introduced to Africa, there was that vibe that uh, whatever was found was not uh, acceptable was not working well 
maybe it was not as sophisticated as the people who had arrived to a country and to a land and um, the desire to assimilate uh, the so-called natives into these worldviews from the Christian worldviews basically drove that uh, sense of alienation that's one yeah. and then another that i tell myself is probably by the time the colonialists were coming our philosophy had also got to at its lowest point at its nadir and it could not really interrelate with the new philosophies that were coming from the west maybe from the arabs in a way that was assertive enough so it is easy to push aside what we had at that time and embrace these modernist views of i don't know if they are really christian sometimes i wonder uh, but let's let's call them modernists yeah uh, in the sense uh, people believe as long as they know cause and effect they have scientific laws to their side there's no other issue the world is going to be perfect of course we know as per the history even in europe the way things have gone uh, nihilism has increased and things like that but i, I guess it's that uh, historical interaction yeah and, and is there room for an in, for coexistence of um these traditional ways within the modernist framework maybe not coexistence maybe a syncretism uh, a union because uh, if you think about the western world view and where it is right now if say we trust philosophers maybe from renaissance up to the present moment we realize that there's that, there's that there's that sense that philosophy is getting um, more desperate there's that feeling of the human soul being threatened for example one of my favorite philosophers maybe from italy is giorgio agamben and uh, agamben is talking about uh, how the state has built a gulag around the citizen the citizen is no, no longer has any political rights or power before the state the state confers all these powers and the citizen is actually like defeated and that's what we see every time when we see governments uh, invading privacy preventing uh, uh, people are enjoying their democratic space and uh, if we contrast this for example to plato's republic yeah, we see the virtuous person is the person who is in the virtuous state so we can tell how far a philosophy has gone by looking at how citizens relate in their states and in their political organizations and we can see there's a problem and yesterday i was thinking even in terms of the traditional world view there was also a limitation because there's that aspect of um, doing things right and if you don't do things right nature will punish you for example the rainmakers will 
uh, after their rituals and the rain doesn't come, they'll suspect someone has done something wrong and that person will be purged. I think that's a limitation of the traditional world. Um, we need to, and it's similar to the contemporary limitation worldview, if you look at it. In what way? Uh, first of all, the, the, there's this aspect of you must do what you have been asked to do for things to be okay. And in the struggle of obeying these rules, we find human fallibility exposing itself. We can't be as good as we want or we can't be as good as the state wants us to be. So that conflict is the same as the conflict that was in the ancient Akamba or ancient African peoples before the colonialists came. That aspect of how do we control our destinies, how do we control our lives, what kinds of rituals are best for these lives and things like that. And you have to be so legalistic, you have to go back to following rules that have been set up earlier. They're not so adaptive and humans, we are adaptive. The universe is adaptive. So since they face the same challenge, it's time maybe to use symbols from both the ancient worldview and uh, the contemporary worldviews to forge a way that humans can find their freedom once again as individuals and also in the political uh, economy. Mm. Yeah. Clearly, we, we, we see the challenges and you've also spoken about it, uh, of moving forward with the, the, the t lessons from the traditions and all. Uh, are there ways that uh, yourself, you're documenting this, and maybe others. Uh, so, for instance, with your interaction with the, the healer not so long ago, and uh, then Zevu, so from the instruments to the lessons, are there ways that you're documenting this for uh, myself and the people after us to pick and learn from? Yeah, actually, one of my approaches has been to uh, design a research program that can be used for a cross-worldview uh, negotiation or conversation. Like, for example, um, we were speaking about the Grand Unified Theory and uh, like the atom, yeah? Is there a new way we can talk about the atom? Is there a new way we can talk about the difference between gravitation and electromagnetism? I'm trying to work on such things and I write a bit, maybe artworks like in the coming movie, there's something. So yeah, I'm documenting slowly, maybe not as comprehensively as I would have wished, but you know, it depends on the on the struggle, the way yeah. the struggle is taking, is forming itself. Yeah. You, know? you, you do what you can. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 beside you, uh, do you see others who are in the same mind space? Do you see others who are sort of almost walking in that same path? And of course, with the desires that you have, I think even in Kenya, there is there is an emerging population of people who are very much interested in these ideas. They may not have been developed as 
would probably look at the Indians or the Chinese, but there's interest. And of course, there's a, there's a good scholarship history, maybe from guys like Cheikh Anta Diop. Uh, there, there, there are many scholars in uh, America, um, like um, Jawanza, Kunjufu, Muata. Most of them, they are so much into Kemetic studies or ancient studies in ancient Egypt. And also some comparative anthropology of African uh, ethnic groups and trying to connect them. Yeah? So I think that's a, that's a great base that, uh, is, that is building up. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think there are many people who... Yeah. Maybe they're not as, uh, as numerous, but they're there. There's a lot of scholarship, there's a lot of research, there's a lot of interaction. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think attached to that, or a follow-up to that question is, um, we obviously have started a sort of, I could be wrong, but I've, I've seen a sort of renaissance where we are, even in the Western world, for instance, now they've gone full circle and there is a lot of integration of borrowed traditions from other parts of the world. Right? That's why you, you you hear of an increasing interaction with meditation practices from Asia, um, of trips to the Amazon to um, have trips, for lack of a better word, um, with the Amazonians, with the tribes of Amazon for, for people to um, get different sorts of values. So it's, it's like this idea of science and ancient traditions coming together because now they see um, what the value is. Um, for their lives as individuals and as a society. Now, coming back here, we've also seen a sort of increase in such phenomena, one of them being maybe um, there are more yoga studios, for instance, right? Um, I, I think we also mark significant. I was shocked maybe two years ago when the entire University of Nairobi Peach was full of yogis mm. um, to mark the um, annual yoga day, right? What are some of the other things that outside of the documentation Kigondo was talking about? And I know this is, I've taken this question from such a long distance, but it's just putting my thoughts together. Um, aside from, you know, such things such as, you know, yoga, or even it could be yoga, but what are some of the other things that we could integrate into our daily lives, not just Kigondo and I, but even for our audience from the traditional sense? And, and, and how can we learn more about them how can we um, practice them do you have any ideas about that i think uh, the most basic answer to that uh, is uh, in the issue of being and maybe having those moments when we have absolute self-sacrifice and moments of contemplation for ourselves uh, because I, I say that because that's the root of all ancient practice, all ancient knowledge. If we can have moments when we pause and think about our lives, then surely, slowly we can get to a point of integration. Because let's say like Plato, we know everything. 
but we have forgotten some of the things yeah so we need to remind ourselves yeah? how do we remind ourselves of what we already know yeah we have to get those moments when we sit and think and query yeah and i think that's the same thing that uh, the gikuyu prophet mugo akifiro said yeah freedom comes back when we s- we pause to contemplate we we pause to think once we get that space then surely these are the things will come mm-hmm. but if we don't then that will be problematic for us we will not have that moment of integration that we are talking about or moment of enlightenment that we would want yeah, yeah. and 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 are there any tools any frameworks that would help nudge people towards such a place because i could be again this is me thinking but it could be natural but i think in the way that the world is moving um we tend to the, the monkey mind and our busyness ends up taking a significant part of our lives we don't have um we do not pause as much as we should let's say uh, an intervention that i can imagine uh from ancient practice uh to have uh, cultural practices architectures that are conducive to contemplation uh, ritual design for day to day interactions those are some of the tools that we could use and maybe should be introduced slowly to the society or to people who are interested so that they can start using them and enhance that uh, that movement towards let's let's say it's a movement towards harmony it's not a movement towards the ancient it's not a movement towards the contemporary but it's the resolution of the problem of individual existence being the cessation of suffering as the indians would say mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's that's the main objective so uh, it's not so much about saying i'm gikuyu i'm kamba what 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 it's about addressing this moment of what am i experiencing in this world mm. what am i expecting how is there a disparity between my expectation and experience why do we have this disparity how do i bridge this disparity mm. okay uh, and and speaking of this say rituals are there some that you practice that are sort of simple and day to day like uh, yeah to sort of bring yourself to this reminder of being yeah yeah there there, there are many there are many rituals really yeah. some of them have really come through for me mm-hmm. okay <laughs> like, like you could the, give yeah, us an example if you don't mind um okay uh, some of these rituals are shared cross culturally you find them in the indians you find them in the jews you find them in the akamba so uh, because this knowledge is so fragmented some of these rituals i have had to develop them from the jews develop them from the ancient swedes what english yeah? one of them is called uh, it's actually basic for the akamba it's called casting a circle it's one of the most powerful rituals that 
I have ever learned. And uh, I think that there's, there's a pattern here in this room. But anyway, that circle in the Tibetans, it's called the, the golden flower. Yeah? Even the Indians, they call it the golden flower. Uh, historically, have, I have seen some evidence from Archimedes. Uh, by the time Archimedes was getting uh, arrested, uh, he was found drawing some circles. Those circles come from an ancient practice. Yeah. And that ancient practice is once you cast a circle, you engage yourself into a moment where you have, say, de- denied yourself or killed yourself, so to speak, metaphorically. Mm. It's an empowering ritual. Yeah. Uh, there's also another ritual I call, it's called the middle pillar. It's a beautiful one. It's It, it empowers a person, though I don't know if I, I'm supposed to say much if it's not in a training context. But yeah, there are rituals that really help me. And maybe they can be postulated to be as prayer. Mm. Yeah, mm. prayer. You know, like uh, in prayer, I'm, I'm saying this because I know, of course, we have a Christian audience. Uh, there's, there's this, I think, uh, Madame Guyon, and she was saying prayer is turning yourself towards God. So these are uh, rituals that turn the individual perceiver person towards God and let God reveal himself. Yeah, so those are just some of them. Yeah. 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 I, I don't also for you maybe to add um, three lessons that you recently gave me and our common group of friends when we went for our friends, um, let's call it a bachelor's party, which was quite atypical. Um, so instead of, you know, the typical, um, yeah, yeah, we had Greenman and he took us through some of the lessons. Actually, there were three lessons, if I recall correctly. Um, that you'd encourage everyone who's maybe getting into a relationship or a marriage, as a man, especially as a king, you called it, to practice. Do, do you uh, mind sharing those? L- let me get my notebook. I really need to take this <laughs> notes. <laughs> Number uh, one. I, I think <laughs> the, the lessons in, in addition to the, the circle and, and what was that one? Uh, the middle pillar. The middle pillar. Uh, no, no the, I think those are a bit, uh, we can, can say those are a bit... Uh, complex yeah, yeah. Uh, actually the the lessons that uh, commander is talking about uh, i learned them from stephen levin yeah uh, he's uh, actually think he's deceased currently uh, he was a therapist he used to work with cancer patients people with uh, trauma of course he borrowed it from the eastern culture and one of them is Soft belly, I co- he calls it soft belly. Yeah? You, you see, if you're conscious of yourself, there are those moments when you, you are aware that your stomach muscles are a bit tight, you are breathing shallow, maybe from the thorax, and you need to have your belly soft and um, 
taking in, sucking in the air so that you can maximize on your oxygen intake from the thorax and abdomen. So it's just a simple exercise where your cognition and your stomach are coordinated so that when you have these negative thoughts, difficult thoughts perhaps, and you harden your belly, you soften it by deliberate thought and action. Like you make deliberate effort to breathe with your belly, to make sure your belly muscles or your stomach muscles are as relaxed as possible so that you can even soak in what is emotionally uh, turbulent. I guess we, we also have that, uh, is it an idiom or what? Uh, when we say, I can't stomach this. <laughs> can't stomach this. Uh, I can't yeah. stomach this. It's because from ancient times we have known that the stomach is one of the first body parts to react to emotional trauma. So once your stomach hardens, then you know you're dealing with something that is emotionally traumatic and you can get into those uh, defensive modes, yeah? Where you say, I'm going to repress, I'm going to avoid. Maybe, maybe I can give an example. One day, I had done something really bad eh? and uh, I noticed that I had done something wrong after a while. And then I went to my office and decided I'm going to explore it. So one of the exercises I used was writing, yeah? You, you know, you can start writing, uh, what are you feeling? Uh, what's up? Or, or why did you do it? And when I was just about to get to the core of the problem, I had this very excruciating pain from my belly and I had to stop doing what I was doing. Yeah? And I realized that was a defensive mechanism of my body trying to prevent me from looking at what is traumatic about me. And had I not known how to keep my, soft, my belly soft and being courageous enough to know that I can deal with these traumatic thoughts or experiences, I would have probably left it at that and lived on a repressed life and an enlightened life, let me say. Probably a recipe for sickness. So that's one, that's soft belly, mm. right? Mm. And, and and you can look it up. Um, the, the the guy who I think started this exercise was Stephen Levin. Yeah, yeah? I, I got I got the, the lessons from him, okay. Stephen, yeah. Okay, you can you can look that up as well, and and we link all this in the show notes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, the second one because I, I what I remember very clearly about the three lessons, and I will not preempt them, is that they were a mixture of both contemporary and ancient um, ancient practices. So there's one like that's already from like the Western world. Um, what are the other two? Well, if I can recall, maybe the other the the other one was about forgiveness. It's one of those difficult things in our contemporary world. Yeah? First of all, to forgive yourself for those goofs that we do in the, in the various contexts that we traverse. You know, every time we, we are alive, yeah? we're bringing our, let me call them unconscious tensions, with us to, to the world where we share spaces, we share moments. And more often than not, we have those slips when we do something that later we say, ah, 
God, I wish I had not done that. Mm. I wish I had I had more insight on my behavior or something like that. Mm. And then it becomes very difficult for you to forgive yourself, especially in our life where we expect so much from ourselves. We expect ourselves to be perfect. We expect ourselves to do to do everything correctly. So every time we make a mistake, it gets it becomes very difficult for us to forgive ourselves. And we sometimes we know that we are we, we are doing something that is um painful, like denying a certain fact about ourselves. And we don't want even to think about it. We don't want to articulate. Mm. Yeah. So it's an exercise about articulating why you should forgive yourself. Yeah. And articulating why you forgive the other person. And visualizing this uh, forgiveness process. Visualizing yourself, forgiving yourself, your organs even forgiving you. And visualizing the other person that you probably have offended or even visualizing yourself forgiving another person who has offended you so it's it's a it's a it's a gradual exercise that we learn after the soft belly once we start seeing even our weaknesses then we can see other people f- with their weaknesses mm. and identify how similar we are yeah and then out of this similarity we can have exercises where we can say i forgive myself i forgive that other person may that other person also forgive me yeah yeah yo man that's that's powerful <laughs> i i i don't remember last time i let's i first of all nilienda this is just building on to this nilienda church um, for the first time in a very long time mm-hmm. last weekend uh that is number one. number two, i don't remember last time i was in a setting where i felt as if the preacher quote unquote was speaking to me you know it's been years before i felt this message was packaged just for me and number three, what you've just shared especially about forgiving yourself uh for things that uh, you you would have done in your past uh, you did in your past i feel that that like we were meant to have this moment right now for you to highlight the need to acknowledge the need for forgiveness self forgiveness and thanks for sharing that yeah, yeah. amen pele kambali sana amen like i i was meant to hear you say actually, that actually actually there's a contemporary psychiatrist carl menninger who did plenty of research on the aspect of unforgiveness or lack of forgiveness in the individual and how it's correlated to disease and even death yeah he wrote a book called man against himself and uh, in it you see how people set themselves up for disease for death and destruction yeah most of the time it is because they cannot forgive themselves you yeah. know just to give an illustration that meninger uses in one of his chapters is uh, for example you're in a family context and you're the most privileged child among other children yeah and you're heaped with goodies and praises and what at the back of your mind you start getting uh, guilty that 
you are you're holding all the goodies to yourself and leaving the others without you know and then you start punishing yourself from your, the depths of your mind like you don't deserve all these things uh, maybe people are expecting too much from you sometimes it leads you to drunkenness alcoholism yeah and those motives of killing yourself slowly softly things like that so the aspect of forgiving yourself and forgiving others and even opening your heart to receive forgiveness from others is very critical to your health mm. and to your happiness yeah. yeah even in the family context if i if i can't forgive even those um, mistakes maybe you you've done n mistakes i've experienced n transgressions against me yeah and i don't forgive and restart from a clean slate yeah you can imagine when you do n plus 1 what happens n plus 2 then the camel breaks the back with a straw it's something preventable if we can learn to forgive periodically mm. maybe uh, even every day mm. yeah do it as often I've, i've i've gotten really excited about the i've gotten really excited about the possibility of a new way of breaking down fomo so we know fomo is fear of missing yeah. out so nico you know what for me fomo from now henceforth will be forgive myself often yeah, yeah. Mm. forgive yeah. yourself often. often i like that i like yeah. it yeah. like yeah. it so that's lesson number two around forgiveness um the third one that you gave ah uh, the third one that i gave uh, now that's really one of those secret lessons yeah <laughs> please I, i i'm sure i benefited from it and yeah. i'm sure that our audience would significantly yeah you see like uh, sexual energy and the way it manifests to the self yeah? it's a very dynamic uh, topic i can say yeah maybe i should speak for men some people say that maybe the the male organ has a brain by its of its own others believe and i believe so too it's the body really actually it's called embodied knowledge yeah the body has knowledge that you have accumulated over time yeah and it's the first that reacts before you can even start uh using language or i mean spoken words things like that yeah so this body can appear to lead you in ways that you probably don't like or don't want especially when you speak about human sexuality yeah? and one way this can be controlled is by interacting directly with the body parts that are related with sexuality and in this case we 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 talk about the the sexual organs and the perineum yeah so if you can control your perineal muscles and direct that energy of the contraction in the perineal muscles even to the brain then you can change the quality of the thoughts or the experiences that are coming to you at that moment uh the indians call it sambavi i believe the chinese call it king kigong yeah i don't know how the kambas call it 
it's it's not there but it's an exercise that people can do to regulate how they use their sexual energy and even when to use their sexual energy because you, you realize uh, sexuality is, is almost in everything we do yeah. and if we don't have a grip on it then we are likely to be diverted we are likely to waste time resources lives energy yeah energy. Yeah. yeah and and there was um there was a kamba um tradition you talked about um i remember if i recall correctly um ended up saying nongwe yeah actually it's one it's one of those lessons i got from amzungu and i said oh if uh, if the white man documented this about the akamba then it's likely it's it's, it's authentic because of that because in the context he was ridiculing the akamba ritual but um i believe he had not understood the akamba philosophy but one of those um pinnacle moments of initiation for the akamba is a moment where you are led through humiliation and pain from others yeah inflicted by others mm. and your response to all that is it's all a joke it's 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 nongwe yeah it's something not to get attached to so much mm. and you you just view it as it's just a game you can you can change your strategy you can mm. change your reaction it's not about the ultimate things of life yeah for for example someone may insult you yeah and you may think it's really bad because you believe, you think so highly of yourself but uh, if you think about it uh, maybe we have no grounds of for thinking too highly of ourselves <laughs> and besides the other person may be doing it for reasons that are not so perfect or so correct the person may be just angry the person may be having their own issues and they don't know what they are doing and if you take it so personally you maybe you can even nuke them you can mm. kill you can do many bad things yeah and all we need is just some space yeah to re- to change ourselves to learn to be better persons and you can't you can't have that space if you don't take all these events as just a game just a no no yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just something frivolous as we may say yeah, yeah. Wow. hey <laughs> as dope that's the why but anyway I wanted to ask why you didn't call me for this particular ceremony I would have learned as much asante for sharing was but, but here you are yeah, yeah here so we are. yeah here we are and, and, and yeah now you've learned <laughs> oh man okay asante sana eh uh, so the way we went into this trajectory was looking at who you were pre the green man then we really rode on that wave yeah and everything we've spoken about for the last many minutes has been a lot of your thoughts now like the person you are now uh, so we've already also stepped into your life post the green man and now yourself as green man so tell us more about that uh, what are some of the things that you 
very aware of that are different uh from the person you were before this is the way i used to look at life now but this is the way i now see it maybe two or three yeah the the way i look at it yeah, yeah. is from maybe plato's perspective in the republic yeah you start your life in the inside the cave and all you see are shadows yeah you, you see projections mm. and then one day you come out of the cave and you meet the light yeah and once you're in the light your life is you know how plato describes life in the ideal republic mm-hmm. yeah? there's a, there's a promise of knowledge for example in um, in plato's republic we know that uh, the guardians were mathematicians and not just that but when it came to conflict they would expect dialectic to solve problems like th- we have an objective world an objective knowledge realm that can be used to resolve issues even from people who may not be from your culture and things like that so that's how in the past i was in the cave i did not know for example uh, questions of god uh, questions of liberty freedom what are those how can i how can i be free things like that in the post greenman it's different mm. yeah uh, it's different because sometimes i i i, I don't know maybe I, i'm kidding myself huh? <laughs> there's a uh, there's this guy eh? he's called patanjali he was a um, he's an indian philosopher actually he he wrote the yoga sutras and then w- when you read the yoga sutra there's a place he says uh, you, you you search for knowledge you search for knowledge and then one day you don't need the knowledge anymore <laughs> <laughs> you just you you leave everything reveals itself uh, where it starts its middle its end you are a free man yeah now and then i feel like that <laughs> yeah. What's this There's so many places we go with this. Um I let you go first. Ah uh, no no just okay. I'm I'm trying to remember. I think what you've just shared is something that I don't know if it's Thomas of Aquinas or a different uh a different guy who spoke about but anyway eh no wonder nimeangalia na kule ni WhatsApp thought yeah. keep going. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe I should add maybe for the Christian tradition yeah. because uh, when we look at uh ancient orthodox tradition yeah you find many monks many members of the orthodox church yeah? who've written books who've encouraged practices and maybe the thought i have is the guy who wrote cloud of the unknowing yeah you get a place where you need to unknow hmm. you need to unknow the relations you have you need to unknow the world as you've been picturing it and just wait for the world to reveal itself as it is yeah so maybe there's something in the, in the christian tradition yeah yeah, yeah. um we, we've also you'll notice that within this conversation um will be um a dash of 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 what greenman and i have have spoken at length about um there's a foundation of that um 
and, and relating to that part of letting the world reveal itself to you um you have a lot of thoughts around looking internally as well and and that's something that we've thought about um what's the philosophy around you mastering yourself and and what's what's your process been knowing yourself um and and obviously all this is combined with a lot of stillness and contemplation uh, but what's your process of looking within um what are your tools for looking within if any um and 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 what are some of the lessons and benefits from this you know the starting point is uh, how the human works knowledge is embodied what does it mean when you say knowledge is embodied what kind of knowledge when how does the body know how is it really how is it connected to the universe for example now there's a japanese uh, thinker and uh, he wrote some a paper i can't recall his name at the moment yeah but he postulates that we are actually in the mind the mind is not within us we are in the mind and we communicate from node to node in this mind yeah and that's pretty much what the traditional the ancient world view postulates about the human body and it go it gets to various organs various uh, let's call them plexuses areas where we have headquarters of neurons and nerve openings that are spreading to the body these plexuses i believe have cognitive structures now without controlling them the way we interact with our environments and with people we start storing knowledge and information in these body areas and transmitting them uh, all through the the human system so if you want to change you have to control these body centers and once you control these body centers you can start uh, probably reviewing what you already know restructuring your knowledge restructuring yourself traditionally these body areas uh, maybe the indians call them chakras you know chakra means circle these bo- these areas had their have their own symbols yeah the let's call them archetypes types of knowledge types of cognitions that are optimal to them but we rarely use the optimality because of our education how we get socialized how the human mind grows the how the human body grows yeah so the first thing is to learn to control these body systems body centers and viewing yeah in yoga we call it the the witness yeah viewing what is coming from the cognitive centers reviewing learning from deconstructing reconstructing you get and slowly you you, you change yourself or you align yourself for example to what the universe is pre- presenting or what your world is presenting yeah 
I don't know if I've answered a part of the questions that yeah, you asked. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. For sure. Yeah. What was the other question? So the other question was, um, you know, what are some of the lessons and benefits from doing this? Okay, it's a crazy lesson. We are here for the crazy. Sometimes I, I sit down and, and tell myself, probably a good part of Genesis is about, you see, like, before the fall, yeah? It's when you are in the womb. And once you come out of the womb, you learn, you learn good and bad, yeah? And once you start learning good and bad, you objectify. And once you objectify, you are dead. You get because every time you'll you'll project th- these objects to the world, expecting the world to behave in the way you would wish. Probably the way you are trained by your parents, uh, the environment you were brought up in, and you drift away from the real you, from the, your eternal self, and. Getting back to your eternal self is what probably we talk about when you say salvation, when you say rebirth. Being busy bo- to be born again is more, to be born. Yeah, mm. is like be engaging in a kind of conflict with the self that you have always known, and relinquishing it. Yeah, to get a new self. To, to be a new, to be the real you, <laughs> actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is powerful, right? Eh? <laughs> um, at, attached to one of your uh, visual works, yeah, uh, you wrote the question of how humans are saved is critical, and even whether humans need to be saved by necessity. If the answer is to the affirmative, how can different cultures? and their metaphors access this salvation. So clearly this thought of salvation has been something you've thought about for quite a yeah. while. In 2017, I actually, uh, one of my, uh, we, we had a, an art happening. Yeah? So what we did, yeah? we made an effigy of Christ and then the tomb. And then for two days, we were just there with Christ's candles, Zimewaka, and thinking. The issue of salvation is has been really intense for me especially i'm looking at salvation from suffering my personal suffering my personal pain anxiety about my being yeah it's something for me that i believe has has called for salvation really i took a shift from uh, what kamande had asked earlier but nisawa to now that we are talking about salvation mm-hmm. um, and the thought of Uh, maybe this is even very left but it's fine please go 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 i mean who 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 is god my latest thoughts went to talis eh? talis of miletus he, he's said to be the first i don't know astronomer first scientist from the ancient uh, greek world eh? and he said God is the personification of forces that we experience in the world and it was a very physicalist kind of idea and I tend to agree with him because if I reconstruct uh, maybe ancient Egyptian knowledge uh, I think there's the someone I, I don't know what's Jonathan someone from the BBC yeah he wrote a small book about 
the probability that the ancient Egyptians were talking about uh, evolution of life from very basic stuff. Eh? It's called chem or clay. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We see forces in action, forces that uh, tend to have uh, their form of intelligence. And these forces evolving or facilitating the changes of entities or beings, yeah. Like um, sometimes I give the example when we have uh, photons, yeah? when we have photons maybe to 13 mega electron volts or something, yeah? they can split to proton-electron pair. Yeah, we can have matter out of energy. So for me, I I, I tend to believe with Thales that it's it's a personification of how these fundamental forces of the universe interact and work with uh, organisms that emerge out of these interactions. Mm. that's that's how nowadays mm-hmm. i view the, the question of god of god yeah okay and how do you reconcile this idea of god and us being spiritual beings how does that interaction happen spirituality is for me yeah spirituality is basically how these forces interact with us and how we emanate these forces to our environments get so these forces these cognitions are in us they lead us you get for we, we already have embodied knowledge right this embodied knowledge is more or less unconscious we rarely think about what we know yeah? we sometimes we just do things because we know them we've been taught we are expected to play certain roles in our lives etc yeah that's your spirit, but it's an unexamined spirit. Okay, so our spirituality is how we manage these forces within ourselves as nodes, as people, as what do you, what there's a word I used to have. It's called uh, transceivers. Yeah, we transmit and we receive because. As uh, the model I introduced, we are in the mind. The mind is not in us. Yeah, the mind is something much bigger than us, and it brings us forth. <laughs> we react to it. We relate with it. Now that relation, yeah, is what we may call our spirituality. I could go two ways here, and and I'll, 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 I'm hoping that we can go and co- go with one, and then come back and do the other. One is, what is the relationship between what you're calling the mind and consciousness? Because my understanding of consciousness is around the same thing that you've described, that um, I'm not a panpsychist really. Um, I'm trying to maybe develop my knowledge around that. Um, But I guess, what is the relationship between the mind and consciousness? Because consciousness at the same time is, from my understanding, um, from as going as far back as Plato, for instance, the, the, the one definition that has stuck with me is what it is to be like, right? Actually, um, that was that I, I believe that is Thomas Nagel. Mm-hmm. What it's what is it to be like a bat? What is it like to be a cat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's say let's talk about cats a bit. 
initially i would think that cats are hardly intelligent they don't have an education system they have, they don't have plans they're going for brunch <laughs> <laughs> but incidentally my experience with cats is that they are pretty sophisticated beings yeah they have plans they know their biorhythms they know how to calculate height they know a lot of things yeah but they probably can't articulate the things they know to us for example so there's a kind of a barrier yeah probably they don't even know why they do the things they do they don't know what makes a cat what what is catness <laughs> yeah so so for uh, we can say they do not have that consciousness of i am a cat and i am a cat because xyz yeah but would you confidently say that because you have not been a cat so you do you know what it is like to be a cat you we, we can say yes i have never been a cat of course sometimes i kid up some people i tell them i used to be a lion in the roman times but if they knew they were cats would probably expect some forms of interactions between the cat and the human that tells the human probably hey i am a cat and this is how i want my life to be cat lives matter yeah <laughs> <laughs> proceed <laughs> yeah maybe because of absence of such a communication process we can infer maybe not so confidently but we can infer that uh there's a probability that cats can't articulate themselves can't articulate their catness to non cats to foster a kind of a relationship that would probably give them the walls that they want and like humans who can reflect and talk about their humanity and project this humanity to other species like cats i can talk to a cat i can talk to a goat of course sometimes i think goats cats try to talk to us but it's never an easy process and uh, okay there's also another thing yeah am i is this a glass what makes this a glass maybe that's part of consciousness awareness of forms and how to relate with these forms yeah but we also have another argument that uh, when we are awake we can only concentrate on very few items per moment maybe 7 to 9 yeah beyond that we are unaware but uh, assuming we, we live in a rich environment that has a mind and uh, the mind uh, is dynamic and relates with the human system in ways that we cannot be aware of then we can say consciousness is what we do not really encounter in our day-to-day waking lives and we are more or less unconscious when we are awake you get the, yep. mm. i think the indians and maybe the chinese look at it from that perspective we are in the world of unconscious now as we are talking 
the why am I saying these words? Why are you thinking those thoughts? You are not conscious as to why. They are there. You want to implement them. You want to do them. But you're not really sure why. You are unconscious for, uh, on the dynamics of what is really making you tick. right? So the, the conscious is what we do not see. The unconscious is what we see. <laughs> interesting uh, yeah yeah glad you could come back to that because my next thought maybe has some relationships a uh, relationship to that um tell us more about morphogenetic fields because you talked you talked about um embodied knowledge are those two things related and obviously i think in in modern day with um modern science and us actually not even modern science like us getting good explanations which is like the definition of science there's been a lot of hula baloo around um this area of study um of genetic fields could you talk about what that is and how that relates to embodied knowledge and um being cut like yeah, uh, uh okay Um, uh, the morphogenetic uh, space and fields has been something researched on uh, there's plenty of work maybe from Rupert Sheldrake and people who come down from from that side yeah and the basic question was from embryology like when does the cell know it's supposed to be a hand and not a foot <laughs> we we all come from say the zygote yeah so how will it develop the different limbs the different organs that make the complete person who is going to be born when how does it come to say now it's time for the leg now it's time for the brain now it's time for the the hypothesis that was posited was the zygote develops within a space that has information and control mechanisms as to what should be done from at that particular space and not another so this space have been hypothesized as the morphogenetic space we we have the genes and information on the space collaborating to create a limb to create an organ yeah and it's been hypothesized that the universe is full of that maybe you no know, like a, a mandelbro pattern yeah you know those those complicated patterns but made of one simple shape one form yeah but once they come together they create one very uh sophisticated pattern or thing yeah? so maybe we have it's called uh, scaling yeah maybe the morphogenetic space has been scaled or it's scaled to various dimensions of being and it's so primal or so basic that different species will use it to develop the way they 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 develop or they diverge yeah so maybe that's a different form of evolutionary theory i know i know of a guy who 
proposed it maybe in 2008 or a bit earlier but it's not something very mainstream in science at the moment wow and, and 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 how does the study of morphogenetic fields stand up against science uh, does it need to around especially I think things it's, like you know falsif- being being falsifiable for instance at the moment first of all morphogenetic species pretty much part of biology and uh, biomechanics but there's a lot that needs to be done for example um, how do we articulate this space there have been uh, attempts by several mathematicians and biologists working together to form equations or articulations that can describe the morphogenetic space it's not been very developed yeah? but probably with time we can have uh, those popa tests like of falsification and what not so uh, of course science is just a model we don't have one science actually science can change any time yeah, science has always changed science with a capital s yeah it, <laughs> it has always changed yeah. we've had those paradigm shifts maybe one day we'll not be speaking so much of falsifiability because uh, say in complex adaptive systems we know that things will not be exactly linear predictable agents will change depending on how the environment has changed what we what we can have is a simulation simulation simulatability mm-hmm. if i may call it as a test for scientific veracity and truth and mm-hmm. getting good explanations as david deutsch likes to say yeah yeah Okay. Hey bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I'm nodding out a lot. To make a tangent for for a minute there. Yeah. Which is dope. Yeah. Which is dope. Yeah. Uh and we said we wouldn't mention Maria but it is fine. Maria of course uh, keeps hitting us up with hey. Also guys remember we don't have the whole day. Yeah. Uh, so um, anything before we now skip a bit to Start wrapping up? Yeah. No, not really. Um, I I think there there are a lot of tangents that we could go. Um, I'm glad that a lot of what we've talked about uh, the the tactics and strategies for let's say even call it busy being born for sure life improvement and part of me still wants to ask a few questions around your journey especially um but I think I'm okay with where we are right now because we've been able to tease out a lot of the lessons from your journey even without going into the journey itself <laughs> right yeah right uh even just by saying that uh this has constantly been at the back of my mind throughout this whole conversation mm-hmm. I feel we still have a couple of sessions with you mm-hmm. in the future you know mm-hmm. like nico no this is a guest i'd love us to have again and yeah. again to just yeah. talk about <laughs> anything and everything anything you know? every, yeah, yeah from yeah. from quantum even we haven't even touched computation yeah um and even like gone very deep into complex adaptive systems exactly we, we haven't touched so much around the areas that um you've spent time researching on which brings me to my next question you you like you read at the beginning eh? yeah and i can totally concur with that you're probably one of the most read persons that i know in person you know 
because you know you, you see a lot of people saying you read you read but i do not know them in person to um see how they 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 sort of um process that knowledge and and deploy it in their thinking and in their everyday lives right how how do you choose and the background of this is whenever i talk to greenman about anything he always ends the discussion by sending me a book every single time from something around health sexuality marriage life and my work even around you know data science and mm. and, and, and computational thinking how how do you choose the books you read okay now me i think god gives me the books <laughs> <laughs> i think we can wrap it up there <laughs> god gives you the books okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um i i used to wonder even myself i used to wonder how how is it possible that i will get this book that i so needed of course if you are thinking and if you are investigating something if you find something if you find a book or material that yeah. resonates with what you you want you tend to get it yeah mm. but there was a time when i was not so much you know like we have so many options right now you can just google and write i want a book about this 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 and then say pdf file or mm. something mm. and then the results come mm. and you can sift through them yeah but uh, pre pre net it was difficult yeah, yeah. But somehow I used to find the books that I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Or they found you. Yeah, or yeah. they found me. Mm. In fact like uh the book I was talking about uh, by Dr. Eustace Chesa on Shelley, Percy Bysshe Shelley. It's one of those books that I bought accidentally and then when I went home i skimmed through it and discovered maybe it was a bit difficult for me at that time i could not read it i put it in the shelf and maybe i stayed for a year or more mm-hmm. without reading it yeah and the day i read it was the day i got my news from there yeah yeah so i wondered i mean how how could i get a book that would be so helpful to me yeah and I did not know it existed or things like yeah. that. On the other hand, we could still use the morphogenetic fields to determine what would resonate and what would attract me to certain materials and to certain experiences that I need. Yeah? Because as they say, the universe has everything that you need. You only need to be ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, to prep yourself. Yeah? And where is the space for choice in that? The space for choice is what question do you have? Ah, okay. Yeah. There's so many questions that you can ask yourself. But which question will you take first? And why? Okay. Yeah? That's your choice. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can you can decide on many other questions. I really right? like that answer. I really like that answer. Um <laughs> if there is a book you are to let's talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> mm. If your book you are to recommend to uh, again is Ali Thatis who's trying to make the next shift in terms of finding more meaning in his life as a man what book would that be if any comes to mind and if that is maybe too specific a question the question would be what book do you normally recommend to anyone who wants to be more enlightened 
Maybe a good book would be Joseph Campbell's uh, Myths to Live By. Myths to Live By. Yeah. In any other recommendation? Yeah, we're, we're trying to milk as much um, <laughs> as much as possible from you. Maybe I could encourage a study maybe into other philosophies, maybe like the Indian philosophies because uh, they offer more insights regarding to the things that affect us. Of course, the, the language is a bit arcane. Eh? You have to work on the translations and the interpretations very much. But there would be a great beginning yeah, for some of the issues that we are facing, maybe from the Christian worldview or from the... Western perspective. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay, I don't know how potent this question is, but speaking of the, the, the Christian worldview, is there anything about it that you feel we need to cleanse ourselves of? Yeah, for me, uh, you, you see the Bible is a very political book. Huh? Every time it's being collated, every time it's being uh, distributed even, there's a lot of politics within it what we may need to do is to understand the political contexts and the dynamics that have led to the interpretations that we have we embrace we get because uh, Christ himself I believe was a pretty complex kind of a guy who upset so many things and it's not easy for it has not been easy for the world even to accept him for who he is or who he was yeah we for example we know the history like we have uh, peter we have paul being at loggerheads at some moment as to the best interpretation of who christ was and what christ wanted understanding paul also will need us to think about or know for example what was driving paul many of these other books yeah so we can't really say there's this interpretation that we want to stick by doggedly and there's no other way we can approach the mm. scripture mm. yeah because basically we know the politics have really taken us to the nadir like for example now even the europeans are less christians that than africans so if we can if we can know how to understand the authenticity of the writers the forces that compel the writers we have we stand a chance of getting who probably the real christ was how to integrate him for example into our daily lives how we can think about god afresh mm. yeah mm. but if we stick doggedly to what probably the missionaries brought there's a huge risk we are going to be swept by the political intentions because basically these are humans who yeah. came with these uh, interpretations and these ways of living yeah like uh, maybe to illustrate uh, is that it's called the arian heresy yeah mm -hmm. there was bishop arius and uh, there was athanasius yeah and they were arguing about 
the good nature of Christ, yeah? And it became so political that Bishop Arias was probably poisoned on the day he, uh, he was about to be installed as the Bishop of Rome. And Athanasius comes, yeah? And we see uh, Emperor Constantine is like aloof, yeah? He's swinging from one opinion to the other. And it said Christians killed each other very greatly at that time, around 340 AD or something. Yeah. So that politics can mar, can bar us from seeing the authentic solutions or authentic expressions that probably Christ had for us and mm. we, we can't. Yeah. We can't mm. and, and how do we open ourselves up for that? Um, I mean, theoretically it makes sense. Um, one of the things I've always wondered if uh, is if it's the the Bible is the word of God, as as we say, then why is it open to so many interpretations? Okay, that's one. The, the, to answer that, me, for me, I, that question was also very uh, perturbing. And then uh, when you, uh, that's why I was recommending the Indian philosophers because when you get to the Mimamsa school of philosophy, you get to see how scripture can be inspired of God because these are people who have sacrificed themselves. They have overcome the world of the ego and the, self. the obje- objectifications of the world. And they communicate yeah, with God in the way I defined God. Yeah? And cognitions come. Okay, revelations come to the human mind because that is how it is structured to work. And then these revelations are taking a further step of uh, maybe logical analysis, utility, like is it useful for the challenge that we are facing now? Yeah, and they have the one criteria of it is divine if none of us could think of it, <laughs> but it has come out of these special conditions, and it is it can be utilized to to resolve an issue that we are going through. Yeah. So once we see humans like from that perspective, we can know why sometimes there can be disparities, or why sometimes we can say there are contradictions between this aspect of revelation and another. yeah, mm-hmm. And we can navigate now more easily. So that's why I was saying maybe if we can have um, moments of contemplation, self-sacrifice, those are very conducive for learning and for developing ourselves. yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we don't, if we can't meet our insecurities like using the soft belly this year it will be very difficult for us to learn we will stick to what we've been given yeah and because of our fears yeah it feels yeah. safer that way yeah. yeah oh that's powerful man can begin to wrap up or do you, do you have one more no let's jump into the play mm. a mm. bit here and there uh this is the closest we'd get to play i guess mm. Um, you said, or at least you are quoting a friend uh, who said, chess 
is I'm, I'm looking for that. So I'm jumping a bit into your excitement around chess. Um, chess ni dawaya daria. Quoting Galen. Um, tell us a bit more about your <laughs> intrigue with chess. <laughs> night being dawaya daria. Chess is one of those things that I think I know a lot about. There was that initial attraction to it as a young boy, though I never got to learn it then. Young, those five years, six, things like that. I came to learn chess at 15 in high school. But my experience and research on it takes me back to the Shamkia. The, those are among the most ancient philosophers. Shamkia is to count. Yeah? They, they are philosophers who are based on counting. And, and somehow, if you follow their tradition, you'll find that they interpret, for example, the board differently from maybe most of us in our contemporary times because we just see black and white, things like that. The naming, the steps, the, the ranks, they have their own maybe quantum values or something. So they can be used for simulations and they can be used for treating people. We have doctors, you've said Galen and Al-Razi used it Uh, presently, it's used in psychiatric pra- practice, maybe, but in a more diluted form. But it's a model of how the human works. Actually, the board, I believe, is inferred from the mandala of the golden flower that I was talking about. Yeah? From casting the circle, from casting one circle, you can create the chessboard. The chessboard is in that circle, in fact. So those energy spaces that are in the body or in the being or in the atom can be simulated on a chessboard. Thus, the chessboard can be used to solve issues that ranging from health to warfare. In India, it was wow. mostly used in warfare. I didn't see that going there. Do you ever just play it for fun? <laughs> I'm a from, like, you can't help but look at it from a transcendental like perspective. It's sweeter when you look at it from the deeper. Yeah, you, Sometimes, of course, you can play for fun yeah. and probably not learn much from it. Yeah. But if you dig deeper, you get its wealth, yeah. its beauty. Yeah. So for me, okay, right now, I do chess puzzles to watch, at, watch how I'm thinking, yeah. build up my thinking capacity, for example. How far ahead can I see? Do I know how to read situations? Things like that. Okay. What, what do you then indulge in for just shallow engagement? I'm just doing this for fun, I don't, for the sake of doing it. I don't it. think I have shallow engagements, <laughs> but I do. I, ha, I have pretty much a lot of fun yeah. from doing things like even exercising, yeah. writing, just walking and listening to the birds, looking at the environment, things like that. Yeah, There's much to be gained from it. Actually, uh, the Kabbalists call it Reshomo, huh? Reshomo. Singular is Reshimot. Reshimot, 
is everything you see is not there by coincidence and it's meant to remind you of something deeper if you can only be more curious perhaps more thoughtful about it and surely it will lead you to something yeah about yourself oh. that will bring you harmony because at the end of the day why do all these things you just want to be happy you just want to be cool you are you're at peace with yourself you are at peace with others yeah that's the main objective yeah even in the destructive moments when you want to play a game of soccer yeah sometimes i do play a game of soccer things like that santa santa okay. as we begin to wind up um yeah is there anything that you've changed your mind about in the recent past yeah initially i was really for example i was really anti paul but nowadays i say he he was just an honest man and he did what what was necessary at that time given the circumstances a soul yeah and even as paul, as paul. even as paul okay yeah, yeah. and uh, i am more comfortable with maybe books like the bible books that are part of it books that are not i am more comfortable with people being wrong mm-hmm. with even myself being wrong yeah yeah because if we can't be wrong then we can't have love we can't have growth so i say yeah i may be wrong this guy may be wrong but i will still love him i will still love them yeah <laughs> fantastic yeah, for me that has been a great lesson yeah it has really changed how the quality of my life i may say yeah. yeah hey bro learning so much from you and looking forward to another episode with you absolutely Imagine the next season or beyond that yeah. maze looking forward to having more chats with you clearly i get why kamande is always fascinated about your existence so <laughs> the alien that we are we definitely celebrate you thank you very much keep going maze it's been such an honor to meet you Thank you too. Yeah. 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 So no, no no play kabisa. Maria amekata. We've actually done a bit of play here okay. and there. That, that's play. <laughs> that's, that's play for us today. <laughs> so our final question of the episode inakuanga a short thought or message put on a t-shirt, yeah? And this is how we place it. We always say imagine yourself on this podium and next to you are all this particularly african um, leaders ama people will really look up to uh, so from the and philosophers and philosophers yeah so from the wangare madais to the harithukos and many others who are on, on that podium and you're standing next to them but you can't you don't get a chance to speak to the people but on your t-shirt is a message that you'd like to tell your african people what would that short text or image be Maybe no ngoi. No ngoi. No ngoi. It's all play. No ngoi. Just a game. It's just a game. Fantastic. Sante sana. Thank you so much for making time and um yeah like you're going to say you definitely have you on um, for subsequent episodes because and I hope that the audience will at least you have recognized why or you have um, why I really really enjoy having Greenman as a friend and I hope that our audience can also um learn from this episode um and and deploy some of those um practical um practical solutions into their own lives um to keep busy being born for sure for sure so thank you very very much uh asante sana and for you two who's listening to us 
remember we are not here to convince you uh, to 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 do anything really we're just here to encourage you to be open to picking lessons and trying them out and saying oh snap that worked and now i feel much better or happier or more at peace or more uh, i've increased my surface area for love mm-hmm. and experiencing life so thank you so much keep your belly soft do that forgive nongwe 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 how can we engage with you uh, on the socials if at all and, and it, sorry uh, you have a project actually you have a pro- he has a project coming up i think you should maybe plug it in yeah yeah the one at the museum yes yeah we we've been working on um, philosophy of technology uh, <clears throat> considering uh, we we have a center maybe they the create electronics technologies which are distributed to the periphery like Kenya Africa we get cheap electronics all those kinds of things yeah it's it's a it's a it's an exchange about a certain world view maybe capitalists uh engaged uh, so much on uh, profit growth but we also realize that some of these motives have not been sustainable or are, are not sustainable when we think about climate change uh when we look at the electronic waste yeah human condition yeah so the question was how do we use these objects that have been given to us at the periphery to bring out alternate worlds alternate views of how we should relate yeah so we organized a few workshops um work okay workshops that we made things and i at least i made the zevu once again eh, from a radio we are using these restructured objects these reappropriated objects to communicate the alternate world that we think uh, should be considered at the at the moment yeah so we'll have an exhibition at the national museum nairobi Uh, running through the month of august so it's called devices it's called disobedient, disobedient devices. devices yes yeah so feel free to pass by um at the national museums all yes. through august our birthday month so i think maybe that's what hey, we should it's do it's a plan eh it's a plan Abu, eh? our birthday month our birthday month <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should do yeah. yeah it is definitely a plan i am excited around conversations to do with uh electronic waste and um climate change so definitely this for me feels like something i'd enjoy asante sana yeah, yeah. we wish you all the best yeah Alan. where can people engage with you maybe facebook instagram okay. mm-hmm. as greenman mulembilo greenman mulembilo the one and only <laughs> sante san and you know where to find us uh, on twitter and on instagram we are at busy being born underscore underscore and on facebook we are <laughs> at the busy being born podcast thank you so much for joining with us uh and remember we as we always say if you're not busy being born then you're probably busy not living peace peace thank you for listening to our podcast do look out for more from us for now inquiry